0: my King, now and forever. Well hello everybody. Hi, so you don't know me yet, but you're going to get to know me a little bit. My name's Robert, and I am from Phoenix. Anybody ever been to Arizona? Like all of you. How many, anybody here from Arizona? Not a one. Oh, wait, one right there? What part? And you. you? Where are you from? Phoenix? Where are you from? Phoenix? Okay. Uh, Just so you guys know, for those of you that haven't been to Phoenix, it's super hot in Arizona. And then I flew here, and guess what it is here? Super hot. I see you guys right now like fanning yourselves, Uh, but here's the good news. I checked my weather app, and things are going to cool off a little bit, starting with tonight. Can we celebrate that? Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Okay. So, a little bit about me. I... Grew up going to Hume Lake, uh, so I love being here. Like, I, I went as a student. I sat not where you sit, because this camp's new, but metaphorically, I sat where you sit. And I uh, met my wife on a church trip, not to Hume, but on a mission trip to Africa. And I'm going to tell you a quick story on how we met and how we fell in love. Who's ready? Here we go. Okay. So I met my wife on a trip to Africa. We were seated next to each other on the airplane. And back then, they didn't have the screens, like for video games and movies, way back in the day. And so you had to do this crazy thing. You talk to the people next to you. I know, no, I know, I know. Right? So I didn't know Lindsay, that's the name of my wife. I didn't know her before this trip, but we got seated next to each other on the airplane. So we were flying and got to know her all the way to Africa. Uh, we spent time doing ministry there. And then when we were flying back, I used a line. And I want to, all the guys in the room, look at me right now. Every guy in the room, do not use this line. For two reasons. One, it's my line. You get your own line. And the second reason, it's a terrible line. All right, everybody, guys and gals. So Lindsay's sitting next to me. We're flying home. We spent all this time together. And like, I know I really like this girl. And so I use this line. I say... I have the answer to all of our problems. Actually, I said all of your problems. Yeah, it's a bad setup. It gets worse. So I said, I have the answer to all of your problems because we're talking about life and we're talking about things that are difficult and all of that. And I looked her in the eye and I said, you and I just need to fall madly in love with each other. Way too soon. You know, do you ever have a moment where you're like, I misread the room. I thought I read the room right, but I misread the room. Anybody ever have that moment and you said something? And once you say it and those words go out of your mouth, you're like, no. And you want to grab them, but you can't because it's like toothpaste. Once you squeeze out the words, they never go back in the, in the container. This was one of those moments. And here's what she did. She just got really quiet and looked away. didn't read the room. So I did what any guy would do in that moment. I laughed and said, just kidding. But let me tell you, the line worked, guys. Uh, I have a picture of my family. This is a miracle of God that this family exists. Uh, So I have two boys. They're the, the oldest The one on the left in the blue tank top, that's Gabriel, he is a sophomore. Corbin on the right, that's our middle son. He is a freshman. And then Emma in the middle, she just started seventh grade. We already started school in Arizona. So they're like back in school because it's so hot. We're like, sit in air conditioning, get an education, and then we'll take time off in October. So that's what we do in Arizona. Uh, But that's my family, that's my wife who I met on the mission trip. And that's how I know God exists and does miracles even today. Okay. So over the course of the next week, we're going to be talking about a story that we have in the Bible, and it's in the book of Daniel. Now, if you're not familiar with the Bible, I want to give you just a quick overview. The Bible is broken up into two parts. It's actually a collection of books, 66 books written by over 40 authors across three continents over the span of like 1,500, 1,600 years. It's a library of books, and yet they're all connected through the person of Jesus. There's not another book like this in the world. Imagine if you were to start writing a book today, and it wouldn't get finished until like 1,500 years from now, and people would add to it along the way, and somehow it was all cohesive and connected. That's what the Bible is. It's a collection of books. Jesus is the thread. So it's broken into two parts. You have the Old Testament. Everybody say Old Testament. Old Testament. Okay. Where's your timeline? Okay. So Old Testament, if this is the very first book of the Bible, this is Genesis, you have the big chunk of your Bible is what we'll call the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is all about looking forward in time to a promised Savior. So back here in the beginning... There's this problem of sin. Sin separates us from God, and God has a plan. And so all of the Old Testament is looking forward to this plan that God is going to rescue mankind through a Savior. We call him the Messiah or the Christ. So when we say Jesus Christ, that's not his last name. He he wasn't the son of Joseph Christ and Mary Christ. It's a title. It's the Messiah. It's the promised Savior. So the Old Testament says the Savior is coming. The New Testament. Everybody say New Testament. (laughs) Oh, with more gusto, New Testament. Testament. There you go. Starts with the life of Jesus, humanly speaking. And the New Testament looks back in time and says the Savior has come, his name is Jesus. And so, where we're going to be is right about here in the book of Daniel. And to give a little context, God, when he sets forth this promise to send a rescuer, he also says, and I'm going to send him through this lineage and through this nation, the people of Israel. So God calls Abraham, he says, I'm going to make you into a mighty nation, huge, outnumbering like the stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore, like you're going to have tons of kids, Abraham, and they're going to become a nation, but he was super old, but God did a miracle. Okay, so this nation of Israel are God's people. And God gives them laws, and he says, I want you to follow these laws so you are set apart from the other nations. But here's the problem with Israel. They go through this cycle again and again, where they follow God, and they go, God, you're the leader in our lives. We're going to trust you. And then they get prideful, and they rebel. And then their lives get miserable. And then they do what's called repent. Repent. Everybody say repent. Say it with more gusto. Repent. Whoa. Whoa. Repent. Man, I feel like I'm in the church I grew up in. Thank you. Okay. To repent, if I'm going one direction, repent means to do a 180 and go back the other direction. So the people of Israel, they go through the cycle. Life is miserable. They repent. They cry out to God. God rescues them. They get prideful, they rebel again, and this cycle continues. And so this has been happening. Leading up to the book of Daniel, God sent prophets, and he's given a warning saying, hey, if you guys keep doing this, things are going to get really bad. There's this guy named Nebuchadnezzar, and he's the king of the Babylonians. And the Babylonians are super scary. And they're known all over the world as a super scary group of people because they're going in and they're invading all these different countries, and they're growing so powerful that no country can stop them. And in fact, in the Bible, Babylon is like the personification of evil. So this is a wicked nation. And God says, hey, I really want you guys to trust me. Turn your hearts back to me or else this nation is going to invade and destroy. And what do the people do? They ignore God. And so just as God said it would happen, after he gave all of the warnings, Nebuchadnezzar invades Jerusalem. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Daniel. You can use the table of contents. If you're like, what page is it? Depends on what Bible you have. Page four? Sword. sword. Oh, sword drill. Is that what you said? Yeah, sword drill. Good job. You win. She just yelled sword. If you didn't grow up with Awanas, it's okay. All right. Daniel chapter one, starting in verse one, and if you don't have a Bible, it's here on the screen, says, in the third year Of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, big, bad, scary Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, that was the capital for where the people of Israel lived, and he besieged it, and the Lord delivered. In fact, that's really important. I want everybody to read what's in yellow out loud with me. Here we go, ready? And the Lord delivered. Again, and the Lord delivered. One more time, loudly. And the Lord delivered. is really important. Because what we're going to read is going to seem like maybe God's not in control. Some of the things we're going to read, it's going to seem so chaotic and such terrible things are happening. We might be tempted to go, man, maybe God lost control. Uh, God never loses control. God is sovereign, which is a big word. Everybody say sovereign. Sovereign, sovereign means he's always in control. Even when it seems like he's not, even when things are chaotic, it says, the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put the treasure house, the treasure in the house of his God. And when it says his God, little g-god. So notice that, little g-god meaning false god. Big g-god is God of the Bible. It's the one true God little g god is when people would make little carved images and worship things as god that weren't god. So imagine being Daniel. You're in a foreign land cuz Daniel and his friends they're taken after the city is besieged and destroyed and they take things from the temple. They also take Daniel and a bunch of his friends and they bring them into Babylon. So now they're in exile. So the book of Daniel, it's not an adventure story. Sometimes we think, Daniel, if you grew up in church and you did your sword drill, you're like, oh, yeah, Daniel in the lion's den in the fiery furnace. There's adventure in there, but that's not why it's written. That's not why God put it in the Bible. There's also prophecy, which are things that God predicts are going to happen so that when the Messiah shows up, we can go, hey, that's what was prophesied in the Old Testament looking forward to Jesus showing up. Now in the New Testament, we can go, that was fulfilled In Jesus, there's prophecy in there, but it's not primarily just for the prophecy. There's some cool stuff in Daniel. We might get a chance to talk about this this week. But Daniel's really about being in exile and how to follow God in a hostile culture, how to be resilient in following God in an increasingly hostile culture. And we're going to learn from Daniel. We're going to learn from his friends. We're going to learn from the teaching of Jesus But here he is, he's in this foreign land, and it's hostile towards everything that Daniel stands for. They change Daniel's name. They take away his identity, change his name. He's forced to go to school to study things like witchcraft, the occult, astrology. He's forced to study all of that to learn the language. Everything that's sacred in his life is removed. He has to eat the food of the land. His homeland is destroyed and the temple of God is desecrated. That's the situation we find, Daniel. Imagine that. Okay, so have you ever been in a different place or somewhere that was unfamiliar to you and you were uncomfortable? Raise your hand if you've ever had that experience. Maybe first day at school. Maybe you went somewhere and it was like, oh, this is different than anything I'm used to and and I'm a little bit nervous. When I was in junior high, so how many seventh graders are in here? I like the delayed confidence, but you got there. So when I was in seventh grade, I went on a mission trip. And it was to a different country that spoke a different language. and was a different culture. And I went on this mission trip, and I was in a room like this, and we stayed in host homes. So they had people that came up, and they would select like two or three, and they would invite them to go stay in their home for a couple nights. Well, this kid named Poncho walks in, and Poncho stands up, and he talks to the pastor, and I see this conversation, and I'm just kind of sitting over here by myself. And then he points at me, and then the pastor has me come up, and he says, hey, Poncho, only has room for one person, and he chose you. And so now I go to this home where I don't speak the language. They don't speak any English. I'm in seventh grade. I eat chicken nuggets, French fries, pizza, and that's about it. That's all I eat. And they, they cook dinner And they bring dinner out, and there's this giant bowl of soup. And in this soup was every kind of animal I had never tried before, mostly seafood, like squid and clams and all of that. Now, I would love this. But it's this giant bowl of soup, and I remember thinking, this is too much for everybody. It was my bowl, just for me. And so here I am, can't communicate, and I'm eating this food that I'm not used to, and that night I get sick. Not from the food, just from I caught a different bug, and uh, I'm super sick, I'm up all night, and it was awful. Here's the thing, that was a loving home with people who cared for me. It was just a totally different environment, and it super stressed me out. And luckily, I came home alive. They wouldn't allow this in 2023 in youth group. So don't worry, it's not going to happen to you. But it happened to me. Now imagine had I been in a hostile environment where they didn't love me and care for me. Where they didn't look out for me when I was sick. When they didn't care about how I felt or what was going on. Think of how much worse that environment would be. That's where Daniel's at. That's where Daniel's friends are at. Yet God is in control. Even when things seem crazy. And Daniel is resilient. He gains influence. He transforms this entire empire. Spoiler alert. And then that empire is going to get taken over and he's going to transform another empire. And really it's God doing it through Daniel because Daniel stays faithful to trusting God and following God in a godless culture. So this week we're going to talk about how do you and I follow God in a godless culture. In a culture that's increasingly hostile. And you're like, well, why are we studying this? Because the Bible actually teaches that you and I are foreigners and exiles in this world. I want to read this to you. This is in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So, Old Testament, it's all about what? A Savior is coming, right? New Testament is all about what? A Savior has come. Jesus came, and he paid the penalty for sin that started all the way back here in the Bible, and that has continued all through the cycles of Israel, and that you and I are born with, and we naturally sin. We don't have to be taught how to lie. We don't have to be taught how to steal. We are natural-born sinners. So Jesus went to the cross, paid the debt of that, and God rose him from the grave, meaning he conquered Death, And when we put our trust in him, the Bible teaches now we are citizens of heaven and our inheritance is in heaven and that this life is the closest to hell anybody will ever come who puts their trust in Jesus. I want to demonstrate for you. When I was a junior higher, somebody did this illustration at a Hume Lake camp that I was at. This is a timeline of your life. Now imagine... That rope goes on forever. It does not it stops right there. Just imagine. This is your birth date. Everybody know their birth date? Shout it out loud. Let me hear your birth date. Got it, got it, got it. Anybody's birth date today? Really? So I've learned what a fake... Yes, that's me. Hand looks like in junior high. Okay, four days ago. Hey, happy belated birthday. Sorry I missed it. Okay. This <laughs> Yes, give her a golf clap. Yes. That was not a golf clap. That was a Phoenix open golf clap. Okay. This is your birthday. And this part right here, this is the this is the day that your body's gonna die. Don't worry, I'm not going to name any dates, we don't know, but I'm going to give you a little spoiler on your life and my life. Everybody's born, everybody dies. Yeah, death rate, death rate's hovering right around 100%. Okay, so this red part that you guys see right here, this is the timeline of your life on earth, but the Bible teaches everybody spends eternity somewhere And for those who put their trust in Jesus, this is still part of your timeline. Even though your body dies, you will receive a new body in heaven and you will spend eternity celebrating the work that Jesus did on your behalf for those who put their trust in him. So the Bible teaches that our inheritance, that we are adopted into the family of God through faith, that our inheritance is hidden in heaven. That we are citizens of heaven. Now we're still here on this earth and let me tell you, this earth, there's going to be chaos, There's going to be hostility. There's going to be challenges. And as culture continues to change and become more hostile towards Christianity, you're going to experience more of that. Jesus said, in this world, this red part, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world, Jesus says. He has provided us a way to experience eternity, this inheritance, part of the family of God adopted in by faith. So... When things are crazy, our hope is not in this red part. When life is chaotic, because the Bible doesn't teach that we're all going to be rescued from every difficult thing. It says the opposite. It says we will experience difficulty. But we can take heart, because this is not the whole story. We're citizens of heaven. Which means, while we're in this world, we're foreigners, we're exiles. This is not your ultimate home. Heaven is. And so, as we learn from Daniel, as we learn from Daniel's friends, as we learn from the teaching of Jesus, we're going to learn how to put our hope in what God has promised and put our hope in the one who doesn't change. Because when we get in chaos and things are crazy and difficult, here's what happens we get afraid, we panic. Remember when we looked at that verse, it said the Lord delivered him. God is in control. You and I don't have to be afraid and we don't have to panic when life gets difficult. Do you know why? God is in control. That's right. Fear and panic, that doesn't come from God. Do you know the most common command in all of the Bible is fear not. Do not be afraid. Over 300 times that command is given in the Bible. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? Why? God's taking care of this. We don't have to be afraid because God is in control. And so when you and I are afraid or you and I are panicking, we just need to adjust our hope. Daniel's hope, as we'll learn throughout this week, was in God and God alone. It wasn't in his circumstances. It wasn't in things being perfect all around him. It was in God. And so when things got difficult, he stayed focused. And he changed an empire twice. It's pretty good. So, what does this mean for us? Over the course of the next few days, we're gonna open up God's word to learn about what does it mean for us to live as exiles, but to stay anchored to the one who's in control. To not let the world rattle us, shake us. The Bible doesn't promise that you'll be free of hardship or that you'll be saved from hardship, but God will save us through it. That's the promise. And we'll unpack from the account of Daniel how you and I can do that each and every day. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray over you and I want to pray over this week and I want to pray that God would speak to us through his word and transform our hearts and that we would live resilient in a world that's increasingly hostile towards faith in Jesus. Would you guys pray with me? Jesus, thank you for this example. Thank you for your word that you have put together over the course of of time that you have preserved for us, God, that we can know truth, that we can be set free by truth. I pray that in difficult times, we wouldn't lose hope, we wouldn't lose focus, but God, we'd be reminded that you are in control. Even in a world that gets more and more hostile, God, we trust you. God, we trust that you see us, that you care for us, and we trust that ultimately when things aren't good, It's because you're not done with the work that you've promised to do. Thank you that our inheritance is secure with you in heaven. Thank you that we get to be called citizens of your kingdom, members of your family, heirs of this inheritance. May we learn what it means to keep our hope and our trust in that. Through the course of this week, may we build friendships with you and with each other. And may your word come alive. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us through this week and through your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Can you guys give it up for Robert? (laughs) Amazing, you guys. I'm excited to walk through this theme, Marooned on Trasher Island, with you guys. As we walk through the story of Daniel, and specifically this evening, can I get everybody's attention real quick? Specifically this evening, talking about